Amen, amen, amen. I want to welcome y'all into our evening Bible study right here at Liberty Christian Church International. I know we're running a few minutes late. Um, we're experiencing a little bit of connection issues, but uh, we're still going to move forward with Bible study on this evening for those that are here and those that are watching online. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to try to get our presentation stuff up on on the screens and on the monitors real quick. Um, just bear with us, but as we get ready to prepare our hearts and minds for the Word of God, let us pray, and then we're going to get started. I'm excited that you are with us on this evening. Amen, 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 and we're going to have an amazing night tonight. Do me a favor. Go ahead and share this with somebody. Go ahead and tell somebody to join in with you. Um, we have been dealing with this series called Encounters with Jesus, and we're going to continue on with that on this evening. Amen. And so if all hearts and minds are prepared, once again, do me a favor, share this with at, many, share this with at least five people on your page. Share this with at least five people, whether you're watching by Facebook, by Twitter, um, by, uh, by our app, or whether you're watching it on TV, on YouTube, or one of our... Uh, one of our platforms or applications. Uh, we just want to thank you once again for joining us. It is an amazing time to be in the presence of God and just to learn his word. So we can go before the throne of grace on this evening. Amen. I want you to get, uh, I want you to get involved on this with us this evening. Amen. So if all hearts and minds are prepared, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, God, for this day, God. We thank you, God, that you have brought us this far, and at this moment and at this time, God, no matter what has happened today, God, we honor you and we worship you and we magnify your name. You are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords, and you are our Alpha and our Omega, God. So, God, we just thank you for being a God who doesn't just sit high, but you're a God that is active and available in our life, God. You are a God that listens to our prayers. You're a God that desires your worship from your people. You are God that is above all others, above all anything that we could have happen in our life, God. So, God, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do on this evening, God. Now, God, hide this your servant behind the cross so that the people will see none of me, but they will see all of thee, God. We know your word declares to study to show thyself approve a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. So, God, give us clarity in our mind. Give us action access in our spirit to hear from you, God. Give us wisdom and understanding in our, in our mindset, God, to hear from you and to obey your word, God. And as we draw closer and deeper in your word, God, we just thank you for the opportunities that you've afforded us. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Do me a favor, uh, get your Bibles. We're going to make our Bibles declaration real quick, and then we're going to get to some word. Amen, amen. Um, uh, repeat after me. Lord, I thank you that I have a Bible. It is my personal copy of God's purpose, God's plan, and God's design for my life. Therefore, I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm also a doer. And my life has been better after hearing the word of the living God. Therefore, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not be distracted. But I will hear what thus saith the Lord. And as a result of what I hear today, I'm going to leave here this evening 
better than I came. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I'm excited about this evening once again. Um, we've been dealing with this theme called Encounters with Jesus and going into the Bible dealing with uh, times where we see Jesus in having one-on-one -on -one encounters with people, um, no matter uh, where or no matter when. Um, but we've been dealing with a lot where we dealt with in week one where, G where the uh, where they took the paralyzed man while Jesus was preaching in the house and they tore open the roof to the house and, and his friends dropped him in there so that Jesus, so that they could be close to Jesus and that Jesus um, can, they didn't even know or, or understand what Jesus was going to do, but they were willing to, by faith, be in that place with Jesus and believing that Jesus could do something different uh, than what the man was already experiencing, different than what the man had already gone through, different than what they were experiencing experiencing already and the man was in a paralyzed place and we know that Jesus uh, first healed him of his sickness but he also for the sake of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were in attendance healed him of his sin amen and he told the man to take up his mat and walk then week number two we dealt with the man that was uh, by the pool of Bethesda amen and he was there and he had been there for 30 the Bible says 38 years and because he was there and because he was in a crippled state he couldn't get down into the pool when the Bible said that the angel troubled the water and whoever stepped into the pool first would, would be able to access uh would be able to access uh, healing. And so the man, when Jesus approached him, the man told him that he had no one to help him down to the, wa the water. Uh, Jesus healed the man. He set him free of his sins. The man, the Pharisees once again and the Sadducees once again got upset that he had done that. And uh, the man said, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you who healed me. But then he went on and found Jesus later on. And Jesus found him and told him. And he went back and he told them... Uh, who it was that had healed him and who it was that had set him free. And both of these occasions happened on the Sabbath day. Amen. And because it happened on the Sabbath day, they were upset. Yeah, I, I'm not understanding why, but we know that the law determined that they weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. They were supposed to rest. They weren't supposed to be out. But the crazy part was that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were there at the Pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath, amen? But it was like they were just there to watch the people wallow, to watch the people uh, that were sick and just sit there and watch them, but they were even out doing something instead of being someplace resting. So they were mad at Jesus for healing the man, but they were yet, in their, they were yet on their own way and they were out there doing their own thing as well instead of resting. So a lot of times as Christians, we, and, and, and I'm, before I get into to what we're talking about on this evening, a lot of times as Christians, we get to be the same way. We get upset because of what uh, what God is doing in somebody else's life, um, and we accuse them, and we say that they're not worthy, they're not uh, th that they shouldn't get certain things, and and yet and still we operate in our lives the same way. Amen. We operate in our lives the same way, and we expect God to still continuously bless us, and we expect God to continuously do for us and our families. Amen. So now, if we're going to get into scripture on this evening, I want you to open up your Bible to uh, Luke, the seventh chapter, Luke, the seventh chapter, Luke, the seventh chapter. And we're going to get into the word of God. And, and, and it's so powerful and impactful what we're getting ready to talk about on this evening. Luke, the seventh chapter, looking at the 11th through the 17th verse, Luke, the seventh chapter, looking at the 11th through the 17th verse. I'm going to give you a second to pull it up. Um, hopefully that 
uh, we can get it up on the screen soon. Um, we, like I said, once again, we've been having some internet issues, but we're going to try to move forward and 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 get through this. So I might need I need some eyes and ears for those that are on Facebook, those that are listening, and those that are watching in other places. I need some eyes and ears to help us out on this evening. Amen. And so, uh, Luke the seventh chapter. Amen. And looking at the eleventh uh, verse, reading from the New American Standard Bible. And it says this, now what happened the day after that, that he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and guess what? Began to speak and he presented him to his mother. The fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And the report about him went throughout all Judea and all and all the surrounding regions. Amen. So that's where I want us to park at for a second. We got we got another scripture that I want you to look at too as well. Um, that's gonna help us deal with this and help us understand um what is taking place. Um in, in this scripture and in this text, I need you to uh, realize that we once again see Jesus and he's coming on the scene and, and he's just going about his business, but he goes into this city uh, called Name. And, and there's something special, so I'm giving you this name because I need you all to know that there's something especially, uh, there's something special about this city. There's something going on in this city and it must be, uh, uh, it must be looked at as we continue to to go through this. And, and so now we see Jesus and we see his purpose and we see his plan that, um, that, that he was going about his business once again and he was handling things. I'm trying to move through my notes so I can get through this and I wish you all could truly see this, but I know you can't right now. But um, as he was going through this, uh, I want to deal with this theme and this topic on this evening, encounters with Jesus, and this subtopic that life isn't fair. Amen? Life isn't fair. Uh, how many of you can uh, honestly testify and declare that there have been things that have happened in your life that, that you classify as not fair to you. Um, you may have lost somebody. You may have lost a job. You may have lost possessions. You may have gone through trials and tribulations. I think that everybody uh, in the world can say that they've been through a situation in their life where they classify it as not being fair. How your childhood, how you may have grown up as a child, how you may have grown up or things that you have gone through uh, in your adult life, your teenage life, the school you didn't get into, um, the six-figure job that you've been asking God to bless you with. Uh, it just has not come across yet. It has not happened in your life yet. And you get to the mindset that life isn't fair. A lot of reasons we say life isn't fair is because we always compare our life to others and what's going on in others' lives and, and how 
how others are successful and how others are able to succeed and how others are able to get chance after chance in life and how others are able to do a lot of things in their life. And because they're able to do a lot of things in their life, we see and we witness this place in their life of uh, oh, in this place in our life of constantly repeating that life isn't fair to me. Um, life isn't, life didn't deal me the right hand. Uh, somehow they got it messed up. They got it mixed up when, when they were handing out lives. And the one they gave me should have never been mine. Does anybody have that testimony? Has anybody ever been in that place of saying, God, I'm simply not happy with what I've been given, what I've had to deal with, um, the, 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 the mindset, the people that have been around me. I, I wanted If I could have the dream life that I wanted, want, it would be included of successful people around me. It would not include me having to struggle. It would not include me having to go through ups and downs and this challenge and that challenge. And it did not include me going through all these other things in my life. And so now we get to a place where we are seeing in scripture this exact thing happening. In our text on this evening, we find Jesus once again coming on the scene. And this time he's coming on the scene of a funeral, a, a funeral possession. Somebody has died. The widow woman of name, her son has died, and uh, it does not say his age. It does not say what he did. It does not say what she did, but she was in a place of being sad. She was in a place of being hurt. She was in a place of burying her only child. I, I would imagine that that thought right there could present the topic that my life isn't fair. I'm not supposed to bury my children. My children are supposed to bury me. Amen. I'm not supposed to, 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 to hurt because I've lost a loved one. I'm not supposed to hurt because I lost someone that came from my womb or it came from my loins. I'm not supposed to hurt because of that. They are supposed to watch. I'm, I'm supposed to watch them grow up, have children, raise a family, have a good job, be successful in life. And then I'm supposed to pass away and they're supposed to be burying me. And this woman was in the place where she was what? Burying her son. We Once again, we don't know what kind of life her son lived. We don't know if her son was an outstanding citizen. We don't know what was going on. But we know she was mourning for her son. Amen. We know she was mourning because of the situation and the circumstances that she was in. And so now when we're deciding and understanding and realizing that she was in a place of saying what life isn't fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting that because I need you to know that, that, that the God that we serve does not always meet us in the things where we say aren't fair. Amen? He does not always declare just because we say that we're, that, that we're stressed or we're hurting or we're going through something. Uh, sometimes the God that we serve, the God that we've given our life to knows what he's trying to get out of us, so he allows us to go through some things, some 
sometime. Amen. He allows us to go through some situations in order to build character, in order to build integrity, in order to get some things out of us. He allows us to go through certain things in our life. Amen. If I could sit there and testify myself, I, I wish that things were had been different in my younger age, but I appreciate now at 43 the things that I've had to go through because the things that I went through where in, in, in hindsight, I wish I would have had millions of dollars. I wish I would have been born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I wish I would have gone through a whole bunch of other things or done things a different way. I wish I would have got the scholarship for football. I wish I would have went through life in a different mindset, but the plan that God had for me, even though when I was younger, I constantly said, my life isn't fair, but the plan that God had for me led me to where I am today and allowed me to go through each trial, each tribulation, each mess up, each hiccup in my life. When I saw others succeeding, when I saw others that I didn't even qualify to be successful, become successful, I declared life isn't fair. But God said, I have greater ahead of you and greater in store for you, but I need you to realize I got to take you through some things. Why? Because going through those things allow us, if we grab the right mindset, to draw closer to God. Amen? It allows us to draw closer to his purpose. It allows us to draw closer to his will. It allows us to draw closer to his plan for our life. And so now we got to understand that in the mindset, the end result that we're trying to get to on this evening is realizing that God is good. And can anybody testify that God is good? God is good and he's, his mercy is endured forever. And, and God also does what is right. The wrong things that have happened in our life are not the result of God putting wrong things in our life. But while we go through the wrong situations, he can produce the good that needs to come out of it. Amen. It puts it like this in Genesis with Joseph. Everything that the enemy meant for bad, my God meant for good. Amen. So now if we understand that everything that happens because God is good and God does what's right, I need you to grab hold of this, that God is compassionate. Amen. God is not just this mean God. God is is not this God that is uh, 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 that 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 is not capable of giving us success in our life, and God is not this God that we cannot declare He's worthy of our praise. I'm, I'm I'm trying to set the backdrop for this right now, and then even even with that, um, we have to realize that even when life is unfair, we have to admit that God is still good. Amen. So now understanding that I want us to, to, to look at something in this scripture and ask each other this question. My first question for this evening is simply this. Why did Jesus heal the widow of Nain's son? Yeah. Why did Jesus heal her son? I'm pretty sure that Jesus had seen people die. I'm pretty sure Jesus had seen people had seen funerals. I, I'm pretty sure that Jesus could have just kept on going about his business. But when he was walking and he was journeying, he had a large crowd with him. He had his disciples with him. He saw somebody that was hurting. He saw somebody going through a, a, a life isn't fair moment. 
Yeah, he, we, we, we see this moment and this time, and so now I need you to grab hold of this while you're answering this question. Why did Jesus heal the widow of Nain's son? But get this, I need you to uh, jot down and describe God's character and the nature of God. God's character and his nature. Um, because that will help us draw closer to and understand why Jesus healed the widow's son. Yeah. What is the character and the nature of God? I'm glad you asked. Amen. Uh, what do you think the character and the nature of God is? Uh, somebody jot that down. Somebody simply put that down in their, uh, on, on, their, on the page or whatever it may be, wherever you're watching from. What is the character and the nature of God? What is the character and the nature of God? I'm glad you asked. Somebody say, go ahead and teach this thing tonight. I told you I'm a teacher tonight. I'm not going to preach this thing. This is going to be strictly me teaching tonight. So now I need you to get this, and I wish that you could see what I had. But um, the, 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 the character of God describes what God does. Amen? The character of God describes what God does. And, and I gave you a sort of pretense to this real quick. And understanding that his character uh, describes what he does. So now, first and foremost, you got to know that he does what is right. Amen. God does what is right. Uh, number two, write this down or somebody type this down for me. He provides his presence to those who seek him. Amen? Yeah, when, 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 we, when we come to God with our heart, when we come to God with our sincere heart and our issues, and, and, and it, there's a presence of God that surrounds us. Have you ever been in your prayer time at your worst moment and you can feel the presence of God? Not, not just an emotional feeling, but you can feel the spiritual presence of God around you. You can feel him inside of you. You can feel him telling you that it's going to be okay. You can feel him telling you, I know you're hurting but I'm here to pick you up I know you've gone through hell and high water but I'm here to be here with you he provides his presence when the worst of situations come why because God is good but not only that he displays his power yeah, he displays his power. So in this text that we see, because I want you to get this, in this text that we see on this evening, when we look at the seventh chapter and we look at this verse, the Bible says that Jesus was going. Jesus was walking. And because Jesus was on the scene of a hurt widow woman who lost her son. Jesus knew he had to do what was right. Why? Because I just told you uh, the fact that uh, the fact of the matter is that if Jesus could heal the paralyzed man that was lowered into the tent, if Jesus could heal the man by the pool of Bethesda, if Jesus could, like we talked last week, talked about the rich man and told the rich man what he had to do do to get access to the kingdom of God, why would Jesus walk past something so traumatic as this situation with the widow woman? Yeah, the widow woman was in a place where she could not understand. Her son had died. So Jesus felt compelled, and because he is God, because he is good, because he is God personified in the flesh, he felt compelled to do what? What was right. 
He also felt compelled because when she, when the funeral procession proceeded towards Jesus, that means the presence of God was right there in the midst of the situation. And when the presence of God is in the midst of the situation, something has to shift. Amen. Something has to change. Something has to. Uh, the Bible said that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And we believe that when the presence of God comes into the midst of any situation that we're in, then it begins to change the environment. If it does not change the environment, it changes the mind of the person that's going through. Amen? It changed when the presence of God is attached to a situation, it changes something while going through the situation. Whether it's your mind, when you've lost it all and, and that person, that joker has walked out on you, when you've lost it all and they gave you the pink slip on your job, when you've gone through eviction, when you've gone through foreclosure, when you've gone through all these issues, when the presence of God, when after you begin to cry and you begin to weep and you don't know what to do and you begin to cry out to God and God hears your voice, the presence of God begins to change your mindset. It may not give you the house back. It may not give you the car back. It may not give you the job back, but the Bible says that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you or need or leave your seed begging bread. It may not be what you want, but when his presence comes into the atmosphere, things begin to shift. Somebody say, I want his presence. Yeah, so what God does in that place and what Jesus did in his place, his presence came on the scene. The people, he already had a crowd that was following him that knew who he was. His disciples knew who he was. The disciples had already seen him raise Lazarus. The disciples had already seen him heal the sick. And the disciples had already seen him give sight to the blind. The disciples had already seen him. So now Jesus has another opportunity to give gain more souls. How? Because now he can display his power. Yeah, this generation that we see in Israel and we see in Jerusalem and in this region of Nain was a generation that was not used to seeing the dead being brought back to life. Amen. They were not used to seeing that type of power. So when Jesus was in the midst and in the atmosphere, he said he came on the scene and he did only what only Jesus could do. Amen. There are things that go on in your life that only Jesus can raise from the dead. Amen. There are only things that go on with you that, that have happened in your home, that have happened in your mind, that have happened in your family's life, that Jesus is the only one who can display his power about bringing you back. Bring Display his power about setting you free. Display his power about what it is that he came to do in your life. So, so, so we see Jesus uh, step to the coffin, an uh, open coffin, and he does what? He tells the young man that the Bible says that he says this. So he was dead uh, in verse number. Let, let me get this straight. In verse number. Uh, I'm going to pull this up in a different way. In verse number. Uh, where, where, where is it? Verse number uh, 14. In verse number 14. He says this. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, young man, I say to you, arise. 
Verse number 15 said, so he who was dead sat up and began to what? Speak. And he presented him to his mother. Yeah, the, the Bible says that what was dead came alive. Not only what was uh, came alive, but it began to speak. Yeah, I could just imagine when that young man woke up and, and what he could have been saying out of his mouth. Could you just imagine being in the presence of God? And, and you may have just been in the bosom of Abraham and, and now you're in the presence of God and you can notice and see that that's God because I believe there had to be a spiritual connection when Jesus told him to get up when he told him to wake up when when he told him uh when he said uh, uh i say to you arise there had to be a spiritual transfer from the from the holy spirit that was operating through jesus into the young man's body to bring life back to his body so now that young man got up and and i believe it probably began a praise party right there it probably began a whole opportunity where he said mama i was dead but I'm alive. Mama, where have you been? I, I, I thought I was gone. I thought I had left you. The last memory I had was when I was wherever I was and died at. But now I'm waking up and I'm in this coffin, but I'm not dead. Yeah, uh, that, that's a word for somebody right there. They have counted you out as dead. They, they put you in the coffin. They're planning your funeral, but God told you to rise. Yeah, God said young man, young woman, old man, old woman. Yeah, it's not time for you to go yet so arise yes somebody was sick yesterday somebody dealt with COVID last night but God said I'm calling you to arise somebody finances have been lost somebody's finances have been broken but God is telling you right now I call you to arise somebody has been dealing with the struggle from their divorce somebody has been dealing with the struggle from an addiction somebody has been dealing with the struggle from judge from drugs but God said I'm calling you to arise. I'm, I'm, I'm in this place because I realize that you that your life hasn't been fair but what I'm getting ready to show you is that my power is bigger than the unfairness. Amen. That my power is bigger than everything you've gone through. Amen. My power is bigger and my power has dominion and authority over everything that the enemy tries to throw at you because I know the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy but God said but I came so you can have what? Let me hear you. Uh, you can have life. Yeah, yeah. I need somebody to do a little Bible study right there for me and, and join us in. If the Bible says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God said, I came that you might have life. Picture this. Jesus walked on the scene of the widow woman whose son was dead because of the enemy. And he said, if I come onto the scene, you have life. Yeah. If I come into the atmosphere, you have life. I I dare somebody right now speak life by the word of God into your dead situation, into your dead mindset, into your dead things that, that God has uh, already told you that you would accomplish in your life, those visions and those dreams. I dare somebody speak 
life into their self. The Bible says that the tongue has the power. The life and death lies in the power of the tongue. So you got to be able to speak that thing as not as though it were. So open up your mouth right now and begin to declare some things about your life. Yeah, I, I, the pastor can't do it all the time. I need you to open up your mouth. I need you to open up your mouth and begin to uh, begin to speak life into some situations, into some issues, into some things. I know I came to teach this thing, but God is telling me that it's time for you to speak life into your environment, speak life into your household. That child is dealing with COVID. That child that is dealing with sickness, speak life. Lay hands on your child. The Bible said that Jesus walked up to the coffin and he simply spoke to the coffin. He said, young man, I say to you, arise. And so the Bible says that so he was dead, he sat up and began to speak. Yeah, he began to speak and he presented him to his mother. Yeah. So now, once again, what God does is he does what is right. He also provides his presence. Thirdly, he displays his power. And fourthly, he receives our praise. Yeah, he receives our praise. The Bible says in verse number 16, and I'm not even near done on this evening, so we might go a little bit past 830 on this evening. The Bible says at, at, on verse number 16, it said the fear came upon all and guess what they did? And they glorified God saying. A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. The presence of God was right there. The praise of God was right there. His power was displayed right there. And what was done was what was right, because God does what is right. Amen? So now, and, and, this, and the Bible says that, and this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. So the, 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 the awe and the majesty of who Jesus Christ was, was beginning to expand the territories. Yeah. And, and if we begin to testify, this is for somebody right now who God has brought you back from death. If we begin to testify about what God has truly done in our life, not those cute testimonies, uh, not, not, not those things where we don't get deep about what has happened to us, but when we begin to testify that God brought us and raised us up from the dead, we begin to enlarge the kingdom. We begin to enlarge the territory. The Bible declares that we are overcome by the what? words of our testimony. So now we, we looked at the character of God, but I also need you to know that the nature of God, yeah, because the nature of God goes hand in hand with his character. Who is God? Yeah, ask yourself this, who is God? Well, get this, first and foremost, God is good. Yeah, God is good. Not God acts good, but God is good. Amen? God is also compassionate. Yeah, God is a compassionate God. We see it over and over in the Old Testament where God constantly saw a people that were flawed, a people that made mistakes, a people that he got angry with. Just because you're compassionate does not mean you don't get angry. 
Yeah, he was compassionate. He said, he oftentimes said, uh, I will take my hand off of you. But the compassionate part of God or the compassionate uh, uh, nature of God did what? Said, but if you repent. Yeah, the Bible says in, uh, uh, in, in one of our favorite scriptures that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, bow down and pray and seek my face and do what turn from their evil ways, then I will heal the land. That's a compassionate God. God could strike us down. We, we, we've seen the wrath of God before. We saw that with Noah, and even in that, he showed compassion to Noah. So we know that God is a compassionate God. We also know that God is a capable God. Amen? We know that he's capable to do whatever he says he can do. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he shall perform it. So when the word of God speaks, when the word of God affirms things about your life, God is not a liar. When God said he made you fearfully and wonderfully, that you were made fearfully and wonderfully. He, he said that God is not a liar. So stop listening to what the world is telling you that you look like or you're made like or what, uh, what God did not put inside of you. But because God created you in his image and in his likeness. Amen. He said he created you for good works, even in the midst of the hell that you've caused. Yeah, you got to get to the place of stop allowing the world to drive you. The world to, to dictate who you are. Too often, we have allowed our environment, who raised us, who, who spoke into our life, to continue to manifest in our adult ages. Amen? We've allowed the negativity that they've said. We've allowed the person who said that you're going to be nothing but like your daddy, or you're going to be nothing but like your mama, or you're going to be good for nothing. You ain't going to be able to accomplish nothing in your life. We've allowed those things to take root, and if we're trying to be rooted to grow, we got to do some pruning. We got to do some weeding and get those things out of the way and get back to what God said about you. Yeah, I knew you, I formed you before you was, I, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I called you, I consecrated you. I called you an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. You are adopted in the beloved. So stop listening to what everybody else is saying about you when it does not line up with what the word of God said. The problem is, and I'm going to say this real quick and move on. The problem is the we, we decide or as we grow in the body of Christ or when we come into the body of Christ, we don't study what the word of God says about us. We hear everything else everybody else says about us, and we'll study that. If somebody say that you're, that you're capable of being a CEO, we'll study everything about a CEO, but we won't line up with the word of God says when he said you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, we, we, we take what people say, we take what infallible man says and make it a, 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 a absolute in our life. But we won't take what God said and make it a permanent nature in our life. Amen. Yeah, we take what everybody else says. Oh, he, he, 
he seems like he's a little, uh, 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 he, he seems like he's a little sweet. He's going to grow up to be gay. No, that does not mean you're going to grow up to be gay. That just means that, 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 that God is getting ready to do something else with you. But we got to stop speaking the wrong things over everybody. Yeah. There, there, are, there have been people who have been great inventors. There have been, I, I, one of my favorite people to watch and, and looked at his life was Steve Jobs. How many times did Steve Jobs fail? How many times did Bill Gates fail before they built the computer that everybody else has right now? If you look at the life of Steve Jobs by itself, how many times did he try to, try to create Macintosh? And how many times did he create the, the Cube and, and all these other things before he finally got to that place of creating? something right. He went through marriages. He went through losing everything. He went through almost going, I mean, going bankrupt. He went through all these things, but he never gave up hope about what he knew he was capable of accomplishing. Yet yeah, too often we, we, we raise a generation that we talk about instead of elevating. Yeah, this is the lost generation, but guess what? I'm going to tell you what the scripture says about somebody lost. The Bible said if one sheep walks away from the 99, that the shepherd will go out and find that one sheep. So this generation that we like to call lost, I believe that God is taking us out of the church in this, in this, uh, in this pandemic to go out and find this lost generation. Yeah, 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 you, you missed that right there. Yeah, we've been so comfortable sitting in the four walls of the church with the 90 that we exclude the one that walked away and said oh they'll come back when they're ready no God said I'm going to shut things down so that you can go out and find the one that walked away because I need that one you don't understand the anointing and the gifting on that one yes some of you haven't been in church in forever but you've had an opportunity to hear the word of God more right now because God has something on the inside of you that he's ready to draw back and yes you've gone through hell yes it happened in the church yes it happened with people that said they love you but God said I'm telling you that I love you and now I came to get you so you can come back and accomplish that which I created you to do somebody say I love who God is yeah 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 I'm I'm I'm, I'm in this I'm in this mindset real quick I I need you to look at second kings the fourth chapter looking at the eighth through the 37th verse 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, looking at the 8th through the 37th verse. And, and it's, it, it, I'm going to try to get through this quickly because I'm, I'm trying to be out of here by 845, I promise you. But I need you to hear this because there's a direct correlation between what happened in Luke, the 7th chapter, and what happened in 2 Kings. Now, 2 Kings was the Old Testament. So we know Jesus was not physically on the scene. But it says this, now it happened one day that Elisha went out to Shuman, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Verse number nine, and she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Oh, please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Verse number 11. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to uh, uh, 
Jehazi, his servant, called this Shumanite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? This was Elisha. I mean, Elijah talking. He said, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my people. She didn't need him to do anything physically uh, where she lived at. It wasn't about her environment. It wasn't about anything that she allowed him to, 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 or she made a home for him to stay in when he traveled. It wasn't about that. The Bible goes on in verse number 14 and said, so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Jehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Yeah. Verse number 15 said, so he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not what? Lie to your maidservant. Yeah, she said, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman, guess what, conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which, of which Elisha had told her. Verse number 18, and the child grew. Get this, now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers and said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. Oh when, he, uh, oh, oh, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then guess what? Then he died. In verse number 21 says this, And she went up and laid him on, a bed, uh, on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive, go and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant, Jehazi, look, the Shumanite woman, please run down to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Now when she came to the man of God and the hill, she caught him by the feet but Gehazi came near and pushed her away, to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Verse number 28. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? We, saw, we, we, we already saw that part in the scripture where, where, where Elisha said that you would have a son. And now she's had a son. And she said, I didn't ask for the son. I, my, my husband was old and I was not prepared for this. I, was, I didn't believe that this was going to happen. I probably wanted a son when I was younger, but I didn't want one now. And she said, did I ask a, did I ask a son of my Lord? 
Did I not say, do not deceive me? So guess what? Her life wasn't fair. <laughs> and not only that, verse number 29 says, Then he said to Jehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And oh, the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her and followed her. Now Jehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. The child was dead. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two, the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and laid on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in his house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. We, we know that the number seven means what? New life, new beginnings, new life, new beginnings, new life, new beginnings. That, that number seven means newness. And, and the child opened his eyes. And the Bible says, and he called Jehazi and said, call the Shumanite woman. So he called her and when she came into, when she came into him, he said pick up your son so she went in fell at his feet and bowed to the ground then she picked up her son and went out yeah we see another example and and the reason this is so amazing because i i wanted you to see this map the the schumann the the, the shunan woman and the 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 nain woman literally lived very close in proximity and the crazy thing is, when you see this, we see two examples of God's presence being in that same region for the same purpose at the same time. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I told you it, it, it related right, right, right there with the shoeman. I mean, with the name woman, because the when Jesus walked in, the name woman was what she was grieved because of her son's death. When the shoeman woman did not ask for a son, the shoeman woman, the 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 man of God, Elisha promised her that she would have a son. She raised her son. Her son fell death, I mean fell ill, and he died. And at that moment, God realized or God saw that simply put, what I had promised you has to come to pass. I did not say that your child would die. I did not give you your child in order for your child not to live. So in order for me to be God, in order for my word to stand true, I gotta make good on my promise. So so the promise that Elisha had made to her still had to come to pass. So now her child was dead. Elisha had to go there because the Schumann woman said, I'm not leaving your presence. Yeah, somebody missed what I just said. What did I just say that about God's characteristics? He, his, when his presence comes into the atmosphere, something has to change. The Schumann, the Schumann woman did, or the Schumannite woman did not want to leave the presence of the man of God, the one that had promised 
promised her that she would have a child. The one that had put all this hope inside of her. The one who had built up her understanding. The one who had built all these things up inside of her. The Shumanite woman did not want to leave his presence. I need you to understand that when God promises you something, you cannot leave his presence. We oftentimes get the benefit but leave his presence during the process, uh, during the acceptance of it. We take what God gives us and then we walk away from God. But uh, you got to understand that there has to be a place in your life where you're ready to say, I'm not leaving your presence, God. I thank you for the gift, but my relationship with you is better. I thank you, God, for all that you're doing for me. But even if you did not do for me, I still want to be in your presence. God, I thank you for all that you've created in me because you created me in your image and in your likeness. But I need to be in your presence to understand it because your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So, God, I got to stay in your presence. And so now I need you to understand these couple of things as we get ready to go about in verse number 16 and 17 when he told her that about this time next year you shall embrace a son and she said no my lord man of God do not lie to your maidservant yeah God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent if he said it he shall perform it so now I need you to realize that things that God said about your life 20 years ago if he said it he shall perform it yeah I need you to get back into his presence so that God can pull it from you because a lot of times when we think we running away from God we're running right into his presence so that he can catch us now how does he catch us it can come in different ways it can come in tragedy it can come in hurt it can come in letdowns but God is going to get your attention if he called you to it if he called you out of it he's going to provide a way for it to go through it if he called you into it he said I'll make your way through it he said yeah so now you got to realize that his presence is more than anything not only that in verse number 17 but the woman conceived the woman gave birth to what God had promised the woman gave birth to that thing that seems like it could not have happened and she bore a son when the appointed time had come yeah, somebody missed that. There's an appointed time on the things that God has promised you, but you got to be willing to go through the birthing planes. You got to be willing to go through the process. You got to be willing to go through the extra mile. You got to be able to do and trust and believe in all that he said you're capable of. You got to believe beyond what everybody else can see. You got to have faith the size of a mustard seed, not even the size of a mustard seed, because that's just the beginning part of it. I want faith the supersize a mustard seed, the supersede the mustard seed. I want to make sure my mountains move out of my way for what God said. I want to make sure that if I got to climb my mountain, I got the prompt, I got the uh, prompt, the power and the authority to climb it. But that comes by my faith. And so now we see that there is an appointed time that something had to come. Elisha told her that it had to come, that there, there, there would be an appointed time. So get this, I want to ask you a couple of questions real quick. I told you I was teaching this thing. I know, I know it seemed like I, I, I was going there just real quick, but I got some questions for you. What did Jesus reveal about himself when he raised the widow of Nain's son? What, what did Jesus reveal about himself? We, we, we talked about it that he... It bared witness, it, it drew in, 
And it was able to enlarge the kingdom at that day. The belief in who Jesus Christ was, even though they said a great prophet was born among us, but they also said this too, that God had visited his people. Yeah. They realized that God was still listening to them. Jesus could not have raised them up if he was not God. If he had not had the Holy Spirit. If he had not had the permission of his father. Get this. What bigger purpose did performing this miracle serve? What, what bigger purpose? It, it, it could have told the widow woman that God has not forgotten you. Yeah, there, there, there are some people who have lost some people from this COVID-19. And in your mind, you're thinking, God, you forgot about me. God, how, how can I make it? But God said, I'm ready to raise it up. I'm ready to raise up this new thing in your life. I, I, I know you, couldn't, you felt like you couldn't make it without them. I know you felt like that all hope was lost, but, but now I need you to trust in me. The purpose of performing this miracle was to bring a deeper, was to bring a new relationship. Yes, yeah, some of our worst tragedies produces the best new relationships. Yeah, that's number two. What bigger purpose did performing this miracle serve? Then ask yourself this. This is a reflection question for you. I told you I was ready to teach y'all tonight. How does Jesus' love and authority make a difference for you in your life? How does Jesus' love and authority make a difference for you in your life? Don't rush. I mean, answer that question. Don't rush to just jot something down. Answer that question. Number two, have you ever experienced a time when God did something for someone else in a way he didn't do it for you? Have you ever experienced a time? Because, see, a lot of times, like I said in the beginning, we compare and contrast what God does for us or what God does somebody, for somebody else as, well, why didn't God do it for me like that? Why did God, why did God let my neighbor who ain't never been to church come up on that lottery ticket? God, I'm struggling right here. God, I got bills. I got lights that's about to get cut off. How is it that everybody else seems to be blessed in a certain way when they ask you for, for money to pay their light bill? Somehow their lights get fixed. I ask you, God, to, 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 to keep my car running, but, but I done been to the place to get my car repaired three, four different times in the last year. And God said, you didn't see the blessing in that I gave you the finances to pay for your car to be fixed. See, that person didn't have the resources to pay their light bill, so I had to produce a different type of miracle in their life. But for you, 
I made sure that your job, that extra bonus check you came, that you thought that you was going to go have a shopping spree, I made sure that bonus check came when your car was getting ready to break down. And yeah, you might think that you used it up wastefully because you had to get your car fixed when you had other plans with the money, but I provided the, the resources so that you could get what you needed to fix and it did not stop you. Yeah, I, I, you got to realize... Uh, the difference in uh, God not doing something for you or God doing something different for another person. Amen? His miracles for you do not have to match his miracles in somebody else's life. Number three, how did you feel when you saw that and why? This would be number four. Were you able to move beyond what God did for you and praise him for what he did for others? Yeah, I, I know somebody looked at me fine, funny that way right quick. Were you able to move beyond what God didn't do for you and praise him for what he did for others? Do you know that God watches and sees that? It's not just about you, but when you can praise for somebody else while in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your situation, God realizes that you're not a selfish person. God realizes that he can bless you with more. God realizes that he can open up heaven's window because it's not just about you receiving, but you're happy to see God do something in somebody else's life. Amen. Ask yourself, why were you able to get past it in praise for somebody, or why not? This is, this is your self-reflection for you. I, and I believe that even when you said why not, you will justify why you, did not, why you weren't happy for somebody else. Based on your encounter with Jesus, how would you describe Jesus? Based on your encounter with him. Because see, over the last three weeks preceding tonight, we saw two encounters where Jesus healed somebody. But what do you think that the rich man's encounter with Jesus presented? If the rich man had to tell you about or the way he described Jesus, what would the rich man say? He too strict. I did all that other stuff. And this one thing that he told me to do. Do he realize how much money I got? Do he realize all the assets that I've obtained over all these years? And he's going to tell me to get rid of all that stuff, take up a cross, and follow him? What, what, would that, what, what would that rich man describe Jesus as? Yeah, when has God, has God ever told you in your life? Because, see, I think, the, I think a lot of time the New Age church has caused us to have a distorted view of, our, of Jesus. Why? Because... A lot of times we hear about the blessings of God, but we don't focus on the obedience and sacrifice to God. Yeah, we hear about the blessings. We hear about God will make you rich. God maketh you rich and addeth no sorrow. 
We hear all the we hear all the scriptures about my house is blessed, my 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 finances blessed. We make affirmations every day. And soon as we run through some adversity, we're ready to not believe or trust God to our full capacity. So how would you describe him? That person that I've seen homeless people have more hope and trust and faith in God than somebody with a five-bedroom house. Why? Because they trust God that God gave them breath in their body. They trust God that while even while they're on the street, that, there's, that God has still sustained them with food to eat. They may not have a nice car. They may not have a nice place. They may not have a nice ride, but they got their right. They got a mind to think. They got a they got a mouth to praise. They got hands to lift up to God. I've seen a homeless man in Waldorf that that constantly will not ask you for money, but will sit there and tell you about Jesus all day long. He 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 don't want your money because God is continuously providing for him. When he does not ask you for money, or when he does not ask you for anything i've seen more people give him food more people give him stuff more people somebody offered him a place to stay somebody offered him all these other things but not because he came out to beg but because he put his trust in god in the midst of his situation how many people have that kind of faith how many people believe god for that kind of favor that God, even when I'm going through, that God, even if you don't bless me with a mansion, even if you don't bless me with the finances and the resources that I want to get certain things accomplished, but God, you will continuously take care of me. God, you will continuously provide for me. God, you have never left me, and I trust you more now than when I had stuff in my life. I tr- when, 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 when I... When I had to give up trust in my man-made uh, possessions, you provided more for me spiritually. You provided, you kept me in my right mind. When I gave up the thought that I had to have the latest fashion, when I gave up the thought that I had to have the latest car, when I gave up the thought that I had to have the finest clothes, when I gave up the thought that I had to be seen by everybody, when I gave up the thought that I had to be in every place with everybody, when I gave up the thought that I had to run in certain church circles when I gave up the thought that I had to be seen by who's who I had to wear the things I had to coat for my ladies I had to walk around with all the Louis Vuitton purses when I gave up the thought that God loved me because of my possessions I, I realized that God loved me because he created me like him yeah 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 I've learned to trust God when I had. Paul put it best. I'm, 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 I'm the same when I have and when I don't have. When, when I'm up or when I'm down. When I'm free or when I'm in jail. I, I serve the same God no matter what the situation is in my life. And as I close out real quick, I need somebody to realize that you got to stop only trusting God when he's providing the best for you. And you got to begin to trust God when you're going through hell. Uh, you got to be able to trust God when it it looks like everybody else 
has turned their back on you. You got to be able to trust God when your kids acting crazy. You got to be able to trust God when your job gives you a two week notice and you have nowhere else to go. You got to be able to trust God with everything on the inside of you. Not just a little bit of faith, but the faith that shifts the atmosphere, the faith that changes your environment, the faith that changes your direction, the faith that changes your mindset. Yeah, you might have thought that God had given you that person and when they left you thought that your life was over but God said when you sub- when you abide in me and I supply all your riches and I supply all your needs I need you to know that no matter who leaves your life no matter who talks about you no matter who walks away from you no matter whatever they do uh, I'm going to treat you like I treat my son I'm going to make sure I provide for you when all Jesus disciples walked away from him when they spit on him when they denied him when when his favorite of them all Peter when Peter denied on him God still took Peter Jesus still took Peter and made him the rock that he built his church on when when all of them walked away from him when all of them saw him hanging from a cross when 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 they came and got him when Judas came and got him when he knew that Judas was going to betray him he still let Judas go but he said those are my children and he told his father I haven't lost any of them except for the one that you that was assigned so that I could be in this place of hanging on a cross because I loved them so much that I gave my life and I died for them and I had to go through this I had to be here and they don't understand that my trust is in my daddy my trust is not in the sword my trust is not in the money my trust is not even in the power that I could have had to come off the cross my trust is in what God called me to do where God said I had to do my trust is in something eternal because my my days are numbered but my eternal life is forever somebody needs to understand that it's simply time to trust God yeah life isn't fair yeah your situation isn't fair but when you put your trust in God I'm telling you he'll change your mindset he'll bring you through it he'll help you while you're going in the midst of it whether it's sickness whether it's the diabetes whether it's COVID-19 whether it's your finances whether it's the divorce whether it's the person that's been abused yeah God said I will bring you out of it and when I bring you out of it it's going to be nothing but the glory of God that changes the atmosphere somebody clap their hands hallelujah 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 somebody say God my life isn't fair but I trust you God my life didn't go the way that I pictured it but I trust you. I didn't go to college. I didn't go all the things that, that I should have done. I had a baby and dropped out of school. I, I did all these crazy things with my early part of my life. But now, God, I trust you with everything in my life. I trust that, that you'll keep me. I, I trust that you love me. And because I trust you, I know that it's going to get better. I know that it's going to get better. And because of that, I need you to hear this. My favorite song, and I'm not going to sing it, but I'm a, I need to tell you, I need you to hear the words. Because this is you right now. You have to get to a place where you're saying this, all to Jesus, I surrender. 
all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. The chorus says this, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my precious Savior. I surrender all. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this word. I thank you for this study. Now, God, as we close out, God, I ask right now that this word fall on fresh, ripe soil. Somebody's been hurt. Somebody's gone through issues. Somebody has declared even today that their life isn't fair. You know what they've gone through. You know what they need. You know what they stand in need of. But more importantly, God, they need to trust you. They need to surrender all of their mind, all of their spirit, and all of their heart back to you. So, God, on this evening, we, we submit those people. We submit them right now in the name of Jesus. That, God, that you meet them in that place right now. That you show them that you're standing, that your son is standing at the doorway knocking and saying, if anybody come open up the door, I'll come in and sup with them. Cast all your cares on me. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He loves you so much that he's never forgotten about you. He knows your name. He knows every hair on your head. He just said, are you ready to surrender to me? So God, cover them right now on this evening, at this hour, and at this moment. It is in your son Jesus' name that I pray. If there's somebody under the sound of my voice that is not saved, it's very simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you shall be saved. All you have to do is confess, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've done the wrong thing. But at this moment, I submit my life to you. That's as simple as it is. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You have full control over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You are saved. Just, just that fast you are saved. I want to welcome you to the body of Christ. I want to welcome you as a believer with all rights to the kingdom. My challenge to you is to get into a Bible-believing church. Get into a Bible-believing church. We would love to have you here at Liberty. If you're in another state, another region, and you need help finding a church, we would love to help you find a church. The, the Bible says that angels rejoice when one is saved. Amen? So, so just know that you have legions of angels that are rejoicing right now in heaven because you are saved. As we close out, I want you to know, uh, please be on the lookout for Sunday. Um, we, are, we are supposed to be experiencing snow here in our region. Um, so please uh, visit our website, www.lccimd.org, um, for service information or uh, 
look on our Facebook page, Liberty Christian Church International. Um, if we have to stream, we will stream completely from our uh, from our other sanctuary. Amen. Um, we will stream to th- this Sunday. is supposed to be a uh, closeout Sunday. Um, Apostle uh, Johnny Charles Carrington, my my spiritual dad, will be with us, um, and we're going to still have an amazing time. Amen. Amen. This was our ordination Sunday. We also have Deaconess Tansy that will be uh, receiving her ordination and being put in position. Also, uh, Pastor Lewis Johnson as our executive pastor, um, Minister Reggie Anderson as our uh, minister of worship. Um, we just we're going to have an amazing time on this Sunday. Amen. This has been 11 years. I'm, I'm excited about it. This is going into my 11th year of pastoring, and God is just doing some amazing stuff. So I want to thank you all that have supported us, all that have been with us. Um, Prayerfully, we have some other exciting news coming up soon. Um, We're going to get back to our outreach. Give me about two minutes and we're done. Um, We have some outreach stuff coming up next month that we're going to get back to our feed, the community. Um, We got more information. Uh, Deaconess Tansy will be letting us know about that. Um, We also want to say hello and uh, to our uh, affiliate ministry over in Nigeria, Africa. Amen. Apostle George Barnabas, uh, he, you'll be hearing more about him very soon. Amen. Um, we're just excited with, with what is happening at Liberty. Amen. The Bible says that you're to go into the earth making disciples of all men. Uh, and teaching them the things that you have seen and heard and witnessed of Jesus Christ. So that's our mandate. That's our assignment. Um, we're not just going to be in the sanctuary, but we're going to be in the community. Um, we just we just want you to know that God is still here. God is still a miracle worker. God is still a way maker. God is still a provider. God is still a healer. God is still everything that you need. Amen. So remember this, live on purpose, live for purpose, but most importantly, live in God's purpose. Last thing, if you want to sow into Liberty Christian Church International, uh, our, our, it should be on the bottom of the screen right now. You can sow uh, here at 